Welcome to the Crude Life's Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. I'd like to thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Crude Life's Week in Review. We've got a fantastic program in store for you today. We're going to check out a little bit what's going on up there in Belfield, North Dakota, where they have the Davis Refinery being constructed. Well, we're getting pretty close to shovels and moving earth and doing some of that major construction as they've leaped hurdle after hurdle and been validated after validation about the science, the environmental technology, and just the overall innovation happening in Belfield, North Dakota with the new Davis Refinery. William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, in just a moment or two. Then we're going to head up to Colorado. They've got some kerfuffle, brouhaha stuff going on out there. Just passed some new legislation. And we get to talk with Destiny McMillan, third-generation oil man. Actually, third-generation oil family. She's a senior landman for Northern Colorado Legal Support. Talks about the new industry out in Colorado and how it's really creating a, a what we want to say, just an atmosphere of uncertainty. Some companies have left. It's bleeding into Wyoming already. And the governor is now saying the war on oil and gas. So it is uh, a lot of stuff is happening right now in Colorado. So Destiny McMillan joins us here in the program. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to join William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, giving us an update on the Davis Refinery. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. And the water is way too pretty to eat. Historic. The first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative. The cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects. Groundbreaking. With construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you folks for pulling up a stool and joining the conversation right here at the Crude Life Week in Review. All right, coming up next, we talk with William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, as part of our weekly Davis Refinery Update. Zoning people, I've talked to Billings County Commissioners, I've talked to local residents, and everybody seems to be moving ahead. And then all of a sudden, you get someone in South Carolina that's got a problem, and we got to do something about it. Are you guys just about fed up or what? I guess is probably my question. Um, anyway. Well, you know, we get these stories once in a while, and, you know, people are out there looking for things to report about. And so when somebody files another appeal or something like that or expresses a concern, uh, people, are, people know that there's an interest in hearing about the Davis Refinery, so you'll get a story. Um, I kind of look at it as an opportunity to tell our side again. Uh, so, yeah, I, I get kind of tired of going over the same points all the time, uh, especially when it's, you know, it, it, like a, this recent appeal on the air quality permit. Um, you know, we get frustrated by that, and I just wonder why, you know, the same set of facts needs to be looked at over and over and over again. But again, you know, it's another opportunity for us to brag about how clean this refinery is. Uh, it just recently came up that, you know, somebody was very concerned about air pollution at, at the park. And, you know, I, nobody paid attention when we brought this up the first time a couple of years ago, but it's very simple to run the numbers. 
and determined that air pollution from the you know 700,000 or so cars that visit the TR National Park every year, that air pollution is by far greater than the air pollution that will be caused by the refinery. Um, people are astonished to hear that, but it, it gives us an opportunity to put it in perspective that, yes, this is a brand new kind of refinery, and it does not emit even one-tenth of the emissions of any other refinery in the country on a per-barrel capacity basis. Um, it's more like the amount of pollution from uh, seven or eight uh, uh, pump jacks out in the oil field. Uh, it's just a very clean plant, and uh, we can prove that it's that clean. I'll tell you, I think the oil and gas is in a very unique position right now in, in the timeline of everything because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, the oil and gas industry has been in a tough position because they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. They're one of the kings of the economy. And so the big guy always gets picked on if they're trying to do good or whatever. And so um, the way the <clears throat> the way environmentalism has gone, the, the, the drive behind it is I feel so confident in saying it's now gotten to a religious status to where you have enough people blindly following it without really giving any depth of thought behind it to where you actually at the remember the Dapple protest, there was rubber bullets fired and the, um, the old veterans got on the other side. So you got, you know, m military type environments. So the, the, the holy war drums are beaten type thing. So when I look at it, though, the reason I say it's become like a blind, a blind type following is a lot of these protesters are not actually trying to help the planet. They're just pointing fingers and <clears throat> pointing at problems and, you know, drinking Keurig coffees and texting on their iPhones and driving their electric cars. Electric cars are powered by coal. iPhones take about 28 rare minerals that, you know, that mining on the earth is not, you know, that type of thing. So, the whole new wave of environmentalism is based on just ridiculousness, in my opinion, to where I think the oil and gas industry has a great opportunity right now to say, we're the only ones saving the planet. We're the only ones trying to help the planet because everyone else is just pointing fingers and not doing anything about it. So I, 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 like, I love what you guys are doing because this is one of those examples of here's the oil and gas industry truly saving the planet. Because you know as well as I do, what's going to happen is this is going to have a reverse ripple effect, and you're going to see a lot of refineries over time, say over the next 10 years, implementing roots and seeds of your guys' technology into their plants. Am, am I out of line for saying that, or is that kind of what you see? You've been in this business a long time, and they constantly seem about self-correction in my mind. Well, you know, I... Yeah, I've been in the energy business my entire career, and I've not always been proud of the facilities I've worked on. And that was part of what I wanted to accomplish here at Meridian and, and the rest of my colleagues here. We want to do this in, in the right way, and, and we consider ourselves uh, missionaries, if you will, that you can take the, the uh, conventional energy business and make it green. Um, you know, it's one thing to be in here swinging and trying to make things happen that are that are going to clean things up. And it'd be nice to get some advice and help once in a while, and then 
like you point out, you know, you get a lot of people that observe what we're doing and then jump in their SUV to drive to a meeting to call us a bunch of criminals for building a refinery. Um, you know, it just, it, it lacks credibility. And I think a lot of the people that we are hearing from as opponents are somewhat hypocritical. It's been my view looking at what we're going to do to change this industry, that if you are an environmentalist and you do not support this refinery, you're a hypocrite. Uh, we're going to be making it necessary by, by building this plant and putting it into operation. We change the definition of what best available control technology is, and we make it absolutely necessary for every other refiner in the business to gradually come over and, and do things our way as they modify and upgrade their plants. And that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. Once again, that was William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out our social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, we have over 350,000 followers at our network. Go to thecrudelife.com, click on the social media tab, and you can see our entire network right there, including LinkedIn. My name is Jason Spies, and this is The Crude Life We Can Review. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio. And if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. No one in the world would ever take you for a killer with your ponytail and your baby blue eyes. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here this week. Coming up next, Destiny McMillan, Senior Landman with Northern Colorado Legal Support. Destiny McMillan, Northern Colorado Legal Support. Otherwise known as a Senior Landman. And is that, uh, is that true? You're a Senior Landman? It's true. So, I've been a Senior Landman for a couple of years now. So just very, you know, naivete, is there a junior landman? I've never heard that term. Yeah, so, you know, there's several bridges up through the um, the land department. You can generally start as, like, a lease analyst, land tech, um, and then you move into the, you know, like, junior landman. Some people call it an associate landman. That's what um, I've heard. And it, yeah, it's different at different companies. Everyone has their own nomenclature. Um, but then once you re reach a certain level, um, senior landman is kind of the, the rung right below a land manager. All right. Well, thank you for that quick overview. Sometimes I like to do just like a little one-on-one, -on -one, little or a little one-on-one, -on -one, if you will. Just a lot, lot of new faces in the oil and gas industry. And today's topic is one of the, uh, in my opinion, one of those examples of the new faces in the industry. In our program, we said for probably the last seven years, there's a vetting process going on in the oil and gas industry right now. There's a change happening to where we've said this three, four, five years ago with the narrative when it comes to environmental and environmentalism and, and the environment to where 
let's get rid of fossil fuels is the new narrative. And that's that's astounding to me because that's an that, that's actually an insane comment by its literal definition. It would be uh, the walking dead without zombies in three days without any drilling at all. That's just that's fact. That's not even debatable. So the fact that we've gotten to the point to where two presidential candidates now are actually saying I'm going to ban drilling once I'm elected president. That that's crazy. I mean, that's absolutely crazy. And now Colorado has even gone to the point to where there's some banning of certain drilling areas to where I've read reports that anywhere from 60 to 80 percent of all active or, or available uh, ga gas reserves, oil and gas reserves are going to be impacted. So there's there's a sea of change going on. What I'm getting to about the vetting process was there's about 70 percent of the industry retiring. And it's probably down in the next three years now. It's been happening over the next three or last three or four. So there's a vetting process going to where they want to make sure that the new generation coming in has an understanding of the business that's been built and a respect for the land. So that's why we brought on Destiny McMillan, senior land man, to talk about some of these changes, some of the things that are happening in Colorado. And I, I went a little overboard on my monologue, so I do apologize. And we try not to get political on this program, but we've been trying to, to I guess, be chicken little because for us, this isn't politics. This is reality that the narrative has really gotten to the point to where they're banning oil and gas drilling in states now. And I've even read to where they're bleeding into Wyoming, possibly. But two presidential candidates are now just have no problem saying an absolutely insane comment like that. So um, how are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, um, the oil and gas industry is not a stranger to downturns, and um, you're right. There, there's a lack of personnel um, between the ages of, you know, 40 and retirement age. You know, I have a theory that um, landmen never retire, um, and that's just, I'm third generation oil and gas, and both of my uh, grandfathers retired several times before they actually, you know, hung up the, hung up their hats. But um, there is, there is some concern about, you know, the political rhetoric. Um, and it's, it is fairly new. Um, and, and it's got, it's got ramped up very quickly. I think it's, it's it did. It, it went, and it accelerated. Were, were over, yeah. And the impacts were overnight. You know, I, um, people, People have been talking about it. Here in Colorado, um, Proposition 112 was introduced to our ballot last November. And the oil and gas industry, you know, had to really come together quickly and get the messaging out and, and do that. We had, not, we had not prepared for that. We were, we were not really um, engaged in that because our job are to go out and produce energy so that when everyone flicks on a light switcher turns on their heater, their heat comes on. So it was a, it was a new kind of political landscape, even for me personally. Um, you know, I went and we, we defeated Proposition 112 in Colorado, and we all thought, okay, we've got a little bit of breathing room. The voters in Colorado want us to seriously look at the environmental impacts and, um, you know, show them what our what our what our safety regulations really look like out in the field. And so we were, you know, I'm on the um, uh, 
board for the COGA, um, a committee actually for COGA, and one of our talking points was we need to really um, get some messaging out to the general public about, you know, these are the safety regulations. Colorado owns the most patents for safety equipment that's used out in the field. Um, we have some of the smartest people, the smartest engineers um, in Colorado that work every day to try and improve um, air quality. They try and improve safety um, at the, you know, at the wellhead. Um, and so there, there was all of this stuff that was going on behind the scenes for years that no one, no one really talked about because our industry is really kind of private. I mean, we, we are not out there, you know. Um, you know, we don't put up billboards. We just don't do that kind of, um, I guess, positive messaging, if you will. So it kind of caught everyone on their heels um, when this Senate bill um, popped up. And we had kind of hoped that there was going to be a little more dialogue and maybe a chance for amendments and, and really get down to the nitty gritty and, and see what was in that bill that, um, what was the real purpose of this bill? Um, and of course, you know, I'm sure you saw that um, that bill was was passed very quickly. Um, I, along with um, thousands of um, landmen and field workers and roughnecks, um, we all went and testified to the Senate to, you know, kind of explain like there's not been an economic um, impact study to show what happens when, as you said, 60% of one area. Um, loses revenue. How does that impact people locally? How does that impact the entire state's economy? So it kind of happened really fast, and now everyone is is really looking at like, okay, what are we have some support from like the Wells County commissioners had um, a meeting this morning, and we're you know basically saying we're behind this industry a hundred percent, and um, so now we're really kind of starting to focus on what's going to happen at the COGCC, um, but we don't know um, the counties that are, um, you know, maybe a little wishy-washy on, on whether they support us. They're trying to throw together committees to um, meet the, the new standards for the law, so it's just kind of been a, it's kind of been a little bit of a, um, a runaround, I guess, for lack of a better term. Well, it's uncharted territory. And, and it's the, the closest thing that I've seen is the smoking ban, which happened in a lot of different areas where you have so many feet away from a building that you can smoke, yada, yada. It's not it's not in the same ballpark, but it's in the same blueprint, if that makes sense, to where it was a it was kind of a backdoor way to ban something through public health and safety. And mm-hmm. that, that's pretty much the way I saw it in Colorado. And when, when I saw that in November, we started actually having people on our program from the education standpoint that, listen, folks, we're not trying to be chicken little here. This is organized. There's, there's, a, uh-huh. there, you know, there's resources behind this. And Colorado, to me, seemed like the test state because, well, it's a very outdoor, you know, earthy granola, you know, whatever, what's what, hippie nonsense, as my friend always calls me, because I, I, I get into some hippie stuff. I love Colorado. <laughs> I, I like hiking. I like the outdoors. So people call me a hippie. But um, of course, 
it, you know, Colorado's a little bit more left-leaning is what I'm getting at versus a Wyoming or North Dakota or Texas. But now I'm even seeing where Wyoming is even looking at implementing some of these things. Have you have you seen those reports coming up too? You know, I have. I've seen, um, I think the, the most um, provocative for me was the district court judge who um, basically put a halt on all of the, there's like 500,000 acres worth of federal leases claiming that the um, environmental impact study had not been done to his satisfaction. And um, that's the first time that we've had the court, you know, really, um, I guess, just totally and entirely not um, validate leases that were bought and paid for, you know, by private companies to the government. And so that was, that's, that's a little alarming to me. I've been kind of trying to follow that really closely just to see how that shakes out. Destiny McMillan, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Destiny McMillan, Senior Landman, Northern Colorado Legal Support. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. Apartment to apartment, state to state, and it doesn't really matter where I go. There's only one place I could call my home. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spies. Thank you, folks, for joining us here this week. Coming up next, Destiny McMillan, senior landman with Northern Colorado Legal Support. I've been kind of trying to follow that really closely just to see how that shakes out. Um, I'm not 100% familiar with what exactly that did, you know, what studies he wants to see done, but I think that that's going to be really impactful to the state of Wyoming. And if it, you know, if that, if that becomes the new normal, that's going to affect all states. Oh, this is this is a, this is part of the paradigm shift that's going on in oil and gas right now that I did not see coming. We on our program here, we've been talking about the paradigm shift for the last decade: horizontal drilling, um, fr- uh, hydraulic fracturing. We've got dozens of CEOs on our programs talking about the paradigm shift that happened because of that, and so everything is changing. The technology sector has actually been just been booming because of the oil and gas integration and, and everything along those lines. This I did not really see coming to where 
this is going to impact communities. I mean, the only industry that's added jobs in the last decade is the oil and gas industry. All of the other industries have not added jobs. If you take a net gain at the end of 10 years, the mining industry, because of the oil and gas, is the only industry. So that, that, yeah. that, that, that's what scares me is that, that that's, the, that's the reality. And so you start looking at some of these oil and gas communities, you take it out. I just read this morning where now $34 million is not going to be budgeted for a local school or a gymnasium now. And I forget yeah. the name of the town because they're not going to get the oil and gas revenue. And so That's you're starting to see the trickle effect happen before anything happens because we're, we're exactly. in the uncharted territory. So people are just reacting and trying to figure things. By the way, uh, Destiny McMillan on the line with us here, senior landman with Northern Colorado Legal Support, third generation oil and gas. Also, uh, I did a quick look at your LinkedIn profile. Did you get an award for uh, women in oil and gas being one of the, the, the leaders in terms of the industry? I did. In 2017, I was honored by the um, Denver Business Journal as um, one of the top women in energy in, here in Colorado. Was, so, I was very honored. I'm hum I was humbled to accept that. Well, we're humbled to have you on the program because, you know, be, between between your third generation and your uh, awards and everything, we'll call you an expert since we're talking about <laughs> call, call, call. Well, hey, you know what? You, you, play, you pay, you play. You've done it. So good for you. You know, you're there. You're an expert status now. Um, oh, well, thank you. You're, you're welcome. It. So what's next? What, what are you hearing from companies? What is your company doing to adjust? Just uh, I, I know we're in uncharted territories, but has anybody made any you know, real moves, you know, has, has somebody got up and left and said, all right, we're moving to New Mexico? Yeah, I, um, you know, aside from the people that I serve, so I'm, I'm considered a third-party consultant to the industry. So, um, you know, I've worked with um, the extraction, I've worked with Noble. Um, those companies, you know, they have their own um, issues. I feel like they're going to be in a better um, position to you know, ride out and see how this how this really actually plays out. But in the meantime, the third-party consultants, uh, those are the first people to go. And so, you know, if they, if they have to trim fat, so to speak, um, it's people like me and my company that, that are immediately impacted. Um, this happens during downturns, but generally a downturn happens um, – you know, a little, a little more slowly. You kind of, you kind of see things trickle off versus just, you know, the hammer dropping and people walking away. Um, I have had to really kind of turn my focus to, you know, if if companies in Colorado are not going to be needing title opinions or needing title to be looked at, um, then where do I go? Is it Wyoming? And like. We just discussed Wyoming's kind of, you know, they've got a great, um, they've got a, two great plays up there, the Green River and the Potter River. Um, but, you know, how are, how are they going to be affected? Um, again, you can go to Texas. The Bakken is great where you are. Um, and so those are things that I really have to look at. Um, there are companies that have just, they just shut down. Um, I had a company that was working with me in Weld County, um, on the western half and they had you know almost 17 million slated to do a project up there 
And they just said, Destiny, we, you know, we can't, we don't know if we're going to be able to realize our investment. And so we can't do anything until we, this whole thing rides out, until we see what's going to happen. You, the last thing you want to do is spend that amount of money and then not be able to, um, you know, profit off of it, right? That's interesting um, how, you, how you said downturn because, you know, the industry is not going through a downturn. Just the state of Colorado is going exactly. through a downturn. It's wow. a downturn by legislation. Totally. Yeah. Downturn by yeah, legislation. The is, mm-hmm. The industry is booming um, outside of Colorado. As you know, um, we finally reached national energy independence. And that's a goal that the industry and, and from what I've seen prior to this last election cycle um, you know, our state and our federal government, we've been pushing for that. We've been striving for that. How do we become energy independent? And we, we accomplished that, which was, um, you know, a huge accomplishment for our country. But some people don't see that. And I think that, um, you know, there is, there is a disconnect between how oil and gas impacts your daily life the petroleum byproducts that you use <laughs> that people don't put together. It's unbelievable. It's, it's, yeah, it truly is. The medical industry. Well, like I said, um, the, the fact that you actually have two presidential candidates saying that I'm going to ban drilling, and those are your legitimate lead candidates, this is not a Republican-Democrat thing. This is just whether that is an insane comment or not. And honestly... That's an insane comment. I mean, I'm not trying to be exaggerating. I'm actually just trying. We're a non-political program for these reasons. We, we, we're, we're actually, I, I, listen, I won two radio awards for the top political station in the upper Midwest. Okay. They've been number one for 30 years. I was oh, there for, brilliant. I was there for three years as executive producer. I won two national awards. Okay. Now we don't do politics on this program because Everyone else is doing politics. You can't even watch ESPN without getting politics. Honest to God. <laughs> right. they, they, yeah. For some reason, they, they got people to care about the um, national anthem. And that hasn't happened in 30 right. years. And it's all through politics. You can't even, I mean, you can't watch a sitcom without having politics involved now. So we, we just consciously said, we're going to be non-political. In fact, we put it in our marketing and our social media numbers doubled in a year. Because we were the only ones doing it. We were the only ones being non-political. ESPN and right. Bravo. Actually, that's not true. Kim Kardashian, uh, they had their own little vein too. So essentially what you had available to the public through traditional media was Kim Kardashian-fueled uh, pop culture and, and politics. That's all. So we, we, we went this way and we started noticing that this issue was becoming more and more of a real serious threat to where the DAPL protest, for example, you had rubber bullets fired at the protesters and they brought the disabled army vets. So, you know, there, there actually are war drums being beaten here too. So now you're starting yeah. to, now, now you're starting to take away livelihoods from people through, I mean, this is a serious, serious issue here. So I, that, that that's why we are so serious about it because this is going to impact people's lives, and it's it's too early of a sign to tell. But a downturn in a one whole state, what what's going on with your guys's communities that are relying on this? I mean, what are the local people doing? They got to be. I mean, just 
walking on eggshells. Everyone is, everyone is very nervous. Um, you know, there was a company that, that left the Western Slope about two weeks ago. Um, they, just, they just packed up and they moved their operation um, to Oklahoma. And um, the Gazette over there said that that was $11 million in wages to wage earners. And those are working class people, and I think that, you know, as you were saying, that that's, these are the people that you that you speak to and that care about what you have to say. They want to they want to get the good information without it being, you know, too far leaning one way or the other. Um, but those are the people that are going to be, um, you know, most impacted. And it's not just industry people; um, these restaurant owners, the um, Clothing stores that provide um, FR clothing for the field guys. Destiny McMillan, I'm going to ask you to hold that thought for just a moment. We're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Destiny McMillan, Senior Landman, Northern Colorado Legal Support. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Week in Review. No memories come falling down on me Every time I roll back to town Historic, the first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. From the winter time in the midnight black, cold coming up behind you, teeth in your neck, snow on the road like the fingers of a ghost. Wind is crying through a crack in the window. Welcome back to the Crude Life Week in Review. My name is Jason Spees. Thank you, folks, for joining us here this week. Coming up next, Destiny McMillan, senior landman with Northern Colorado Legal Support. Clothing stores that provide um, FR clothing for the field guys. Um, oh, and field and and the clothes that, that their 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 spouses are buying too. Exactly. Um, you know, their kids are going to school there, so the schools are funded. There's just you know, everyone's kind of um, you know, some people that are immediately impacted. People like me are you know, we have no choice. We have to immediately kind of you know reassess and realign. Um, it's positive that, you know, we have the, the some of our largest producing counties are kind of behind us. But when you have private companies like the oil and gas industry that they really rely on profit, they don't have a choice. They have to go where they're going to still be able to make a profit. And the people that lose out are the working class people in this scenario. And that's that's the real unfortunate part. That that's the um, one thing I wish the legislatures, uh, the the politicians would understand that um, you're not going to win in a game of chicken with oil and gas. 
They they don't play chicken. I know you think they are, but no, what they're telling you is actually true. That if you don't do that to this tax, we have to leave. It's not right. because we're we're threatening you. It's because we have shareholders, and it's because exactly. we have we we have people that need to get paid. And if your community does not want our money, well, there's a community in Oklahoma that does. And unfortunately, that's just a sad reality of it. You know, that's I always tell people, don't play chicken with oil and gas. You're going to lose. I mean, because they're, they're, they're not playing the game. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think people understand, you know, how many people are actually involved in the food chain for um, oil and gas from from cradle to grave before you even put the, um, you know, the stake in the ground for the first well. There are thousands of people that have worked to get that stake in the ground. And then the well is drilled and there's, you know, thousands of people that do that. They have to get it to market. There's, you know, hundreds of people that do that. And and I don't think that people have really um, looked at the impact from, you know, a prospect area all the way to getting that, um, you know, the gas into your gas tank or the oil down to Houston or, you know, over to Oklahoma. I mean, just people just don't really understand what that really looks like. And um, I think that's something that, you know, maybe we can improve on here in Colorado. But I think as an industry as a whole, we all need to be really concerned and, and really focus on that message because, as you state, um, there are political candidates that are higher up that will affect the national the national um, economy that are supporting this same um, you know legislation that that our governor is supporting. I, it was really interesting to me. It was the first time he had a uh, uh, Governor Polis had a press conference um, last week, and he, it, in all of the in all of the Senate Bill 181, it was all about environment and, you know, health and safety and regulation. Um, and he made an interesting comment that, that no one had made before, and he called it the war on oil and gas. And that was the first time that I had heard any political really? in our state government say that. Yeah. And it struck me because, you know... From our vantage point, from my vantage point, and I think from, from the vantage point of our industry, we are not in a war. We are trying to go out and provide heat for your homes and, you know, put food on the table for our families. We not only serve our own families, we serve everyone else's families in Colorado. And so that was a very interesting comment. You just, um, you just really validated. You va- sorry, you validated what I was getting at which is it's exactly it, it, it's a war and that's how they look at it what do you make of my comment about that that the oil and gas industry is in a very unique window of opportunity to actually do some pr i'm not talking about aggressive guerrilla pr but at least something something yeah i mean obviously you know i agree with you and and i think that um at least in colorado on a local level um that's really been our focus we've um you know, we've gone out into communities. Uh, we've gone out to go answer Q and As, and that is that is a, that's a political realm that um, you know we usually leave to the politicians. But we've had no choice but to go out and speak to these communities and explain to them the process. Um, Liberty Oil Field Services here in Colorado, you know, they do um, they do 
I guess you can sign up to go and visit a site. You can go and visit a well site. So if you are really interested and you are really concerned and you want to know, the resources are available. Um, we just need to get those resources out into our schools. We need to get them out, you know, into the, the PTAs need to know. So there's, there's, I agree with you, there's an element that we're not fulfilling. Um, I think one of the greatest, one of the greatest um, partnerships that I have seen, um, I, was, I was a co-founder of the Women's Energy Network Colorado chapter, and um, as the community outreach director, I started to get um, the National Renewable Energy Laboratory to work with us. So we wanted to basically explain to people how all of the different energy sectors, coal, gas, solar, hydro, wind, how we all actually complement each other and how we are working together here in Colorado to, you know, create an environment that is healthy and safe. Um, I, I don't think that that is widely enough publicized, but that is, that's a huge thing that's going on in Colorado. And, you know, BESPIV is involved and NREL is involved. So there's, there's things that are happening behind the scenes that people just are not talking about. And that's probably what we could do a better job is, is making sure that that messaging is out there and that people know that we're more than ready and available and willing to talk to you um, and, and show you this is how it's all done. That was Destiny McMillan, Senior Landman with Northern Colorado Legal Support. To listen to the full-length interview or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. That's going to do it for today's program. I'd like to thank William Prentice, the CEO of Meridian Energy Group, for joining the program, as well as Destiny McMillan. All of those interviews and our social media is available at thecrudelife.com. Click on the social media tab, and you'll have 350,000-plus followers with the LinkedIn's and the YouTube's, Twitter's, even Facebook. And that's going to conclude today's episode. We'd like to remind you we'll be back next week at this time on this radio station. And for those of you who are listening to us on the Internet, thank you very much, or on our iTunes podcasts and those types of things. We appreciate it. Anyway, you choose our content. We're very happy about that because there's a million places to get content, a million people doing it. So we thank you very much. That's why we bring you exclusive interviews right here at the Crude Life Media Network. From the staff at The Crude Life Week in Review, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to keep calm and frack on. Man, a little bit of strength you got left is gonna be enough. When you get to me, I'm gonna unfold my arms. So you got a place to land that's soft and first full conversion refinery to be built in the U.S. in over 40 years. Innovative, the cleanest, most technologically advanced downstream project ever. The model for future shale basin projects, groundbreaking, with construction resuming in early 2019. 
The Davis Refinery. Jason Spies, the most trusted voice in the Bakken. I totally agree with you, and the word that you brought into this is fact. You tell the facts, and then you let people make up their own minds. If you want someone who's competent, you don't want to get a bunch of rookies. Love listening to Jason Spies on the radio, and if I miss him there, I catch him online. Let's bring in Jason Spies, who is a multimedia journalist in North Dakota. Um, Jason, what's your thought on this? No one does an interview like Jason Spies. 